Coming to you from Silicon Valley, I'm Marcus Edwards, and I'm on the hunt for recruiting leaders, producers, innovators, and pioneers who've made their mark on the industry and can't wait to share their points of view. We'll tackle the tough topics and dig deep to find the answers you're looking for and some actionable advice you can take to the bank. So stick around and stay tuned, and welcome to Recruiting Trailblazers. I'm very excited to welcome my guest today to Recruiting Trailblazers. Sam Brenner is the founder and CEO of CRB Workforce, a recruitment agency headquartered in LA. I've known Sam since he started in the business, and I think I might have even taught him a thing or two back in the day. But now Sam's in the driving seat and he's got 20 happy team members to prove it with his three and a half year old company. Welcome to the podcast, Sam Brenner. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I absolutely have taught me many things, Marcus. Thank you. <laughs> oh, do elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote the training program for your old company, right? So that I, I love it. Listen, I still use a ton of what I learned to this day. Oh, that's nice of you to say that. Um, but now you're, you're the president or the CEO of your own company. As I said, it's three and a half years old. You've got, say, 20 team members now? Um, yeah, we actually have quite a few more um, employees, but but day-to-day uh, employees, I, th- I think it's, it's closer to 13 or 14 that are active in recruiting. Right. Okay. And you've got some, maybe some contractors as well. That's right. Yeah. Um, so Sam, tell me what motivated you to start your own company? I mean, a lot of recruiters listen to this podcast and a lot of them, I imagine, are thinking about starting their own agency. What actually motivated you to do this? Um, yeah. I mean, to anyone that's interested in starting their own agency, I'd say do it. Just just get out there and do it. Um, what what motivated me, I think at the end of the day is is, you know, I've been able to find individual success um, fairly fluidly. I've, I've been really fortunate uh, to be able to be successful as an individual. Um, and I just always had this passion and yearning to, to help other people. I've had this passion to build something. Um, and so, you know, I said, enough's enough. Get out there, do it, build it, take a shot. And, you know, fast forward three and a half years and so far, so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you first started, how clear was your vision for the first sort of year, two years, three years even, in terms of you know your goals and what you wanted to achieve and the sort of the template for success? Um, yeah, you know, in, in this year, pro- probably the last two years, vision and, and goals are, are much clearer. I, I have something that, you know, I'm working towards in in the first year, even even the first day, there was there was no vision. There was no goal. It was it was let's let's prove that this will work. Uh, it, I, I didn't spend much time on planning or forecasting it. It really was just let's make sure that that this can get off the ground first. I mean, it, it was just me uh, in my you know, one and a half uh, bedroom apartment, um, you know, just just really sitting down, prove the concept, uh, get some sales, get some revenue, and then be in a position to hire someone. And And I'd say probably after about 12 months or so, maybe 
maybe 10 months, I had, you know, handful of employees uh, and, you know, s- uh, stable revenue. And, and at that point, I was really able to sit down and, and put together a plan. Yeah. You mentioned proof of concept and you also said, just get out there and start your own agency. Uh, what kind of a concept were you trying to prove? How, in fact, were you going to differentiate yourself in the marketplace? Um, yeah, well, in in terms of, you know, what I was trying to prove or what the proof of concept was is, is you know, can I bring in revenue? Can I close business? Uh, do clients want to work with, you know, with me? That was ultimately... You know, is is this going to work? That's that was the the litmus test. Um, and you know, in in terms of differentiation, you know, I think that recruiting and the industry, and and really, this is what guides us today. Is is um, you know, ultimately, our our ethos and and our um, and our culture is you know, change the industry and. So I, I said, you know, historically recruiting has been all about, um, you know, the business. It's been about KPIs and numbers and, and how can we, you know, get more job orders? How can we, um, talk to more candidates and, and really driving the numbers and driving the business from, uh, the recruitment agency side? And, and I said, there has to be a better way. There has to be a way where, you know, the client and the candidate are number one. Um, there has to be a, a way that we look at, you know, success as finding the match. And um, and so that's really when I sat down and I started planning and I started looking at who are we, how do we want to be defined? Um, you know, that's that's really where where I landed and it and it and it resonated with with me and my career and, and the people that were on the team. Um, you know, so, so when we look at clients, it's all about the match. Are they a good match for us? Do they fit into our process? Do we fit into their process? Um, when we're talking to candidates, it's all about the match. What are you looking for? What, what's the right job? Um, you know, we rarely, if ever sell a candidate on the role, the, the role ends up selling itself because it's a good match. Um, when we go into a pitch call with a client, you know, sure, we tell them about ourselves and we tell them about our wins, but, you know, it's it's really less of a sales pitch. It's less of here's what we can do for you. It's it's really more about, you know, are we a match? Do we work well together? Is our process aligned with, with what you're looking for? But I mean, as a recruitment agency, and yeah, you talked about how, you know, most big agencies drive it from the agency standpoint and the agency's needs rather than the client or the candidate's needs in order to continue to grow. Um, but do you ever turn a client down? You talk about your process, you talk about matching up with a client. What is a particularly good match for you and and for your team and, and what isn't? Uh, yeah, great, great question. Yeah, absolutely. We turn a lot of business down. Um, and, you know, I think in terms of what good business is for us, uh, our our core business has been with customers that, uh, we really have two segments of business. One, we have a, a, our contract business, and and then two, we have our direct hire uh, business. And and uh, on our direct hire business, we typically work with companies that are less than five hundred, um, typically on that high growth uh, scaling trajectory. 
uh, companies that maybe don't have an HR department that are interested in building something out. Uh, we've helped them with that. Uh, companies that, that are really looking for uh, partners and um, less about the sourcing. We're, we're incredible uh, recruiters. Um, but we're not sourcers. And, and so that's often where we turn down business when companies are looking for us to be top of the funnel. And, you know, um, it, it, it really is not about giving clients great resumes or great candidates. It's, it's about delivering, um, that match. It's about delivering that, that candidate to the, to the job and about delivering, you know, the job to the candidate. And, and that goes from, you know, the initial reach out down to, uh, you know, their 30, 60, 90 day check-in and everything in between to making sure that when an offer is given, it's accepted or making sure that, you know, whatever offer is given is the offer that the candidate wants. And, and so if we're not a part of that process, it generally is not a good fit for us. And, and, you know, it's not a good fit for the client either. It's not a good match if, if that's all, all they want. We're, we're high impact, uh, low volume, low touch, um, not, not high, uh, high volume. Yeah. You just mentioned how you're not that keen on the top of the funnel and sourcing is not why people hire you and your team. How can you be great recruiters without being great sources? Uh, well, I actually don't think they're exclusive. We, we are great sourcers. Okay. Um, we are great recruiters. Uh, we just, uh, don't leverage on volume. We're not, um, you know, our customers end up hiring us, are, are, you know, looking back at our vision, looking back at, you know, our purpose. We're not in it to, you know, bring on as many job orders as we can a month, a week. Uh, we're not in it to, you know, to submit as many candidates. We're in it to to close deals. And, you know, closing deals may sound uh, a, a little brash, but but really when I think about closing deals, you know, we're in it to put people to work. We're in it to, to fill those open positions. One of the questions I love asking and you know what's funny is you might have have given me this question uh, back back in the day. But one of the questions I love asking is around sense of urgency when we're qualifying a, a customer. Um, and and the way we phrase it, I, I haven't I haven't done it in so long, so uh, I may screw this up. But I think the way that we phrase it is. Um, you know, how we, we asked the initial question, how urgent is, um, is this role? How, how urgent is the position? And, you know, most of the time we hear it's urgent. We need to hire yesterday. Um, and so then we get into qualifying it and, and, uh, this analogy that I think you taught, you taught me, um, is, you know, you, what, what you can do is position it in the sense of a plumber. You know, are, are we talking urgency like I have a leak under my sink and, you know, I need a I need a plumber when you get here? Or are we talking the basement's flooding if you're not here this afternoon? Uh, first floor is going to be underwater. Yeah, that's quite a good analogy. And the question I like to ask people, and I think I might have taught you is, 
what are the consequences of this position remaining unfilled, right? Which is kind of the same thing. Absolutely. As you said, your your point, I remembered, we've moved into asking, what deliverables have you missed? What project deadlines have you missed so far? Right, right. That's a good one as well. I think to take it back to the business problem, as opposed right. to asking about making a placement, Right. Um, I think we talk about this on the podcast a lot of a lot of times recruiters forget that hiring managers spend most of their day not hiring but but doing the job and solving the problems that they were hired to solve and so if you bring the conversation back to that you know what kind of projects and initiatives have you got slated for the coming year um, you know how meaningful are those to the company in terms of money you're going to make or money you're going to save and and you know what does that look like in terms of you know an increase in workforce? So you sort of get there gradually, but really unwrap the problem. And I think to be a good recruiter, you need to understand the problems that your clients are looking to solve, right? Absolutely. So yeah, point taken about volume. I think I understand what you're saying. A lot of agencies, and we'll come on to metrics later. A lot of agencies are all about the numbers and the KPIs. Um, and, you know, transparency with their clients sometimes as well. So we're going to go and source, you know, 200 people and we're going to engage 25 or 30 of those and then eventually present, present a short list of three or four candidates. What, what it sounds like you guys do is, is take a slightly more sniper approach to the problem, perhaps not reach out to quite so many people, but, but get a better result with the people you do reach out to, right? Yeah, absolutely. High, high impact reach out. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. How do you achieve high impact reach out, especially today? Because let's face it, in this market, in this candidate driven market, a lot of really good candidates, their inboxes are overflowing and it's getting harder and harder for recruiters to differentiate themselves from the competition. How are you guys doing that? Yeah, I I think it's it's absolutely a problem that many agencies and, and even internal teams and, and companies are facing right now. Um, you know, I, th- I think at the end of the day, my recruiting team is, is something that I'm absolutely proud of. They, you know, I, I'd love to take credit for how amazing and, and their process. Um, but, but every day they're coming up with new ideas, new techniques, uh, new tools, uh, to, to reach out. I mean, you know, if, if you're sitting back and, and you're doing, you know, standard LinkedIn messaging, you're, you're behind, behind the curve. You're like you said, you're in their inbox behind 20 or 30 other messages. And, and so, you know, technology is something that throughout, you know, CRB's existence, we've leveraged, um, you know, really, really leveraged, um, and so, you know, any new tool that a recruiter brings to me or, or salesperson, we look at and, and, you know, we're using probably five or six different um, tools that help us find, you know, maybe your non-active candidate. We're, we're looking at, you know, folks that are, that are engaged in, in meetups or groups. Um, and, and we're not approaching people uh specifically about a role i think that's another misconception that you know agencies are only uh about filling today's roles i think what's what's really unique for us is you know we we end up talking to you know hundreds and hundreds of people that we don't have an open role for today but 
you know, the idea of the networking and, and, you know, building a good uh, group of amazing candidates for when that opportunity comes in, um, you know, that network will set you up for, for, uh, for success in, you know, 2023, 2024. Yeah, no, I like that approach. And, uh, and I think it's dangerous just to pitch specific roles to candidates because it's very much a yes or no scenario. And if they're not active, which most people aren't active, then it's probably going to be no and you've just wasted another message. So if you can figure out a way to engage candidates on the front end, you know, with meaningful conversation and exploratory conversation and really get to understand what their motivators, needs and desires are, career trajectory, et cetera, then you've got a much better chance at building that referral networks that, that's going to pay off later on, right? Absolutely. You talked about some of the tools. I, I think people are interested today. Technology is playing a more important part than ever in the recruiting process. And everybody's got their favorite tools. There's so many out there now, automation tools and CRMs and ATSs and outreach tools and email sequences. What kind of technology have you embraced? I mean, talk to me a little bit about those tools that you're using as recruiters. Yeah. Um, so we currently use a ATS uh, and CRM called Bullhorn. It's I, obviously you know who they are. Um, yeah, that's but, like the Salesforce. Uh, we of, actually yeah. exact Salesforce of, of recruiting, but we actually uh, recently demoed Vincieri uh, or Vincieri. I think they're out of the UK, um, and it's a really interesting tool. And so we're we're in process of deciding whether or not we make that change. Um, they, they have a lot of functionality that, that integrates well with some of the other tools and, and texting abilities. Um, but, uh, but, but Bullhorn is, has ultimately been kind of that central, um, you know, brain for us. And then, and then we've looked at tools that integrate well with Bullhorn, um, to, to really just kind of be able to build on top of, of that. And, and so, uh, source, source breaker has been a, a really good addition for us. Uh, it helps monetize the data that we have in our system. Um, hire tool has, uh, has been an interesting product for us to use. They leverage AI, um, to, to help with their sourcing efforts. Um, and, uh, LinkedIn recruiter, you know, at the end of the day, there, there's really no tool that that gets used more than LinkedIn Recruiter. It's ultimately the baseline, um, and then you know we leverage automation campaigns on the sales side, um, and uh, and then you know we've demoed probably twenty other products that are interesting, but but haven't been you know great fits. Yeah, I've heard of Vincere or Vincieri. Um, it's V-I-N-C-E-R-E. What kind of functionality? I mean, Bullhorn is obviously like the sales force of recruiting CRMs. Um, and I believe I haven't used Bullhorn for a very long time, but it kind of does everything. But you found a tool perhaps in VinShare or VinShare that has functionality that Bullhorn doesn't have, right? Yeah, it's so... Bullhorn, I, I love, I love Bullhorn. It, it's been great for, for helping us grow and scale. Um, but what Vincere has done, uh, has added in kind of the, 
you know, 2022, the year 2022 to their system, where I think Bullhorn is still, you know, maybe they, they're they so big at this point that changing some of their product features are are a little bit more difficult. And so there, I think they're still like 2018 um, world. And so I found, I found, I mean, I haven't used it. So, you know, who knows when we get in and, and we, we actually use it if we make the switch. But um, I found that it has uh, a lot more intuitive solutions. So, you know, with Bullhorn, there's a lot of manual process from the point of getting the candidate into the system to making a placement and then to follow up. And with Vinceri, it's it's very uh, automated and it you can have a lot of the functionality that, um, you know, that you'd like to have in it. It's built into Vinceri. And and so I think you know, at the end of the day as recruiters, right, unless you're, you know, crazy like me who work 20, you know, 20 hours a day, um, you know, most reasonable people work eight hours and, and time is is valuable. And so any way we can automate process, um, you know, that's when it becomes really, really interesting to me. Uh, and and I think that they have a really good automation process from a um, you know from a processing standpoint. Um, they also have a really interesting uh, chat integration that integrates with your phone system, um, and I, and I found that to be pretty cool. Good stuff. Yeah, the other yeah. one that comes up a lot is Loxo. And yeah. um, I've used it a few times and it looks really nice and I think it does a really good job. So there's plenty to choose from out there. But getting away from technology here for a second and getting back to your sort of like founder's journey here, um, talk to me a little bit about how culture and building a culture inside your organization plays an important part in growing this company, and I know you want to grow it. So what are you doing internally to build, especially in this sort of work from home era that we're in right now, you're a fully remote company. What are you doing to really help people enjoy and thrive in their roles at your company, CRB? Yeah. Um, you know, I think something that I do every day, and, and I have it written down, um, and so I see it daily is, is, you know, look at it, it, it's ultimately, uh, look ahead and how can I make their lives better? Um, and that's kind of this mantra that I, that I try to live by every day. How can I, you know, see into the future, what will make their lives better? And, um, you know, and so what are some things that, that I do? Uh, what are some things that the team does? You know, the, the team also is really self-sufficient. They, um, you know, it's such a, I, I'm, I'm so blessed to have such an amazing team, but, um, you know, things that, you know, we get on zoom a couple times a day, three times a day. Um, we're constantly engaged. We have a really strong culture for celebrating each other's wins. So, you know, that could be, um, a new client signed up. Uh, that could be, you know, an amazing, you know, we, we just talked to an amazing candidate that, that we're submitting to a, a client, obviously placements. Um, but you know, it's, it's really important to me and, and 
ultimately to the team to celebrate those small wins. How do you define, I mean, if you were to call me up and say, look, Marcus, I've got this company, CRB, and, you know, I'd love for you to come and join. These are some of the reasons why I think, you know, you'd enjoy working here. Pitch it to me, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, I might accept. Yeah, right. Well, here we go. Um, Number one is autonomy. Uh, That's you. You only come here if you if you like autonomy. Uh, If you have an entrepreneurial spirit and you want the ability uh, to be autonomous and to grow and set the direction of your book of business, then then this is the place. Um, You know, the the ability to work with really, really entrepreneurial, um, smart and talented people, uh, you know, you have here we we have two types of people on the team. And it's really important when when anybody is evaluating their next role or considering changing agencies, um, you know, number one, you want to make sure that you're happy where you work. And then number two, you want to know that that the team, that you're not going to be the the smartest person in the room or, you know, the hardest worker in the room. That's, um, you know, that should constantly be a, a battle for top place. And, um, you know, and I think that that's a really big driver. We've got incredibly smart people on the team. We have incredibly hard workers. And, and you know, so if, if you have that entrepreneurial mindset, if, um, if you can set your own schedule, if you can set uh, your metrics, if you can self-manage, then, you know, you come here for the opportunity. The opportunity is here, whether on the recruiting side or on the sales side, if it's the sales side, um, we have an incredibly talented recruiting team to support any of your new clients. If on the recruiting side, the amount of open orders and qualified open orders that we have, uh, you know, you won't have a, a day where you're where you're wondering what you're going to work on. Um, it's it's literally what am I going to prioritize? Um, and so I think it's it's really historically been for the super entrepreneurial and and that's really that that core group. And then um, we've been leveraging more on uh, building and training uh, folks with no experience in in recruiting. And and, you know, we've got a handful of people that have kind of been through our uh, sales training, our um, sourcing recruiting training program. And, you know, it, it starts with uh, the attitude. Uh, and, and I always tell people in their first 90 days, all I need from you is attitude and effort. I, I personally, I couldn't care um, if they build, you know, a million dollars in their first 90 days. Be amazing. I'd give them a pat on the back. But for me, it's attitude and effort. Um, and so for the for the folks that come in with no experience, it's if you can bring a game attitude and effort in the first 90 days, we'll teach you everything uh, and, and we'll set you up to be very successful. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I've always agreed with that as well. I think the first three months is sometimes you can get lucky and you can make a few placements. I think attitude and effort is exactly the right way to frame it. And in this business, you have to be incredibly persistent you have to be incredibly resilient and you have to get after it on a daily basis. Um, and then you'll be successful. Yeah. The thing is, you can't teach hunger. 
as I've always said. You can't teach hunger, but no. you can teach skills. Hire for attitude, train for skills. That's becoming a bit of a cliche now, but it's so true, isn't it? It's, it's, it's true. I mean, you asked about, you know, culture and, and I read this great book a few years ago, um, Hyper Growth Sales by Jack Daly. And it's one of the things I've been struggling with is, you know, how do we maintain that first 90 day culture, right? You know, with people being remote and, and in, in uh, Jack Daly's book, he talked about, uh, he thought it was bizarre that companies have cultures of throwing going away parties. And uh, he always encouraged people to throw, um, you know, first day parties. And, and you know, he, he had these great stories around why it was beneficial. And, and before when we had an office, you know, that whole week was all planned out relative to like making it very high impact and making sure that they went home to their significant other or, or called their family and said, wow, well, I'm so excited. Um, and that's been something that, you know, I've been trying to figure out how do we, how do we maintain that, that high impact on their first day, first week? Yeah. I think it's a problem everybody's trying to resolve right now because work from home culture is so different, isn't it? I mean, Zoom culture is so different from being in the office. And you come from, and I come from, organizations that were very much in-office cultures, particularly the company that you used to work for. Um, and it works, doesn't it? Being in the office as a recruitment consultant or as a recruiter or as a salesperson, it really works because you learn through osmosis and it can be a ton of fun. And you can wander the corridors, you can have some great conversations, you can stick your head around the door and meet candidates you know, that's all gone out the window now, hasn't it? I mean, you worked at a company that was very high on bringing candidates into the office, right? Right, right. And you don't do that anymore. No, no. And, and like you said, I mean, it. I don't know if it impacts the senior folks as much. I, I think it's the people that are, you know, getting their feet wet, getting into the industry that, you know... <laughs> okay, you spend an hour to three hours in the morning and afternoon with somebody on a Zoom call, but, you know, they're not sitting next to you. They're not listening to the senior guy make cold calls. They're not, you know, they're not getting that osmosis like you talked about. Yeah. So what else do you do as a leader or how have you changed your leadership style in the ways that you communicate, the ways that you appreciate? And I think appreciation is an incredibly important part of building a remote culture, even more so than an in-office culture. But what are you doing differently as a leader to sort of build that work from home culture? Um, yeah, well, again, technology and, you know, maybe maybe it's not all in entirely technology, but, um, you know, I've made sure that the folks on the team have everything they need to, to work from home. I mean, it's it's really not about just shoving a laptop in their face and saying, here you go. I mean, you know, stand up desks, dual monitors, uh, you know, webcams, keep I mean, you you name it. Generally, my rule of thumb is, you know, treat the company's money like your own. And if you need something and you think it'll help you be more productive, then hit me up, let me know. And I'm, and I'm pretty good at, 
at, at getting it. And I don't, I don't know if I've said no, um, maybe a few times, but you know, I think that that's really important that people understand that, you know, it's, it's work. It's not, you know, having fun from your, you know, from your apartment, it's, it's work. And part of work, uh, means that, you know, us as employers or me as an employer has a responsibility to make sure that, you know, they have a workspace, they have the tools they need, uh, to be successful. And, um, and so, you know, I leverage on that. Um, I also, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of good ideas over the years, but I'm, I also really try to surround myself with, with experts, um, you know, whether it's, uh, HR expert or, um, finance expert or, or another, uh, executive at a, at a recruiting agency. And, and, you know, they've given amazing ideas too, in, in order to maintain culture and, and keep people engaged. We, um, and, and so that's something that, you know, I've constantly been seeking out is more and more people to, to, you know, help and give ideas and, um, and, uh, you know, what's interesting is we just had our first annual, uh, holiday party. And I think three of the people, uh, had, had met each other in person and everyone else had never met. Um, and it, and it was so impactful to get together and hang out for a couple of days and, and, I'm fairly certain we're going to start making it a quarterly thing because it, it was just so impactful. Are most of your people in California or you've got them dotted around the place now? Um, so they're dotted. Uh, I mean, we have, we have people in on the East Coast, uh, Midwest, Nevada, California. I, I mean, it's, they're, they're all over. I think we're seven or eight different states at this point. How do you find them? I mean, how do you, how do you source or how do you go out and find these people in the first place, Sam? Um, yeah. So in the past, what we've done is, is kind of proactively, uh, you know, looked at competitors and, you know, maybe one of our clients said that they're working with an agency that, um, you know, is doing a great job and, and maybe they tell us the name, you know, we'll proactively go out and, and chat with their people and, and, uh, you know, try to get the experts that are, that are working with some of our clients. Um, you know, that, that historically has been a really good, uh, path for finding good people. But, um, recently, you know, we, we've, we've switched, uh, the dynamic and the type of people we've gone after, we've started looking for people with, you know, that hunger and that attitude and effort. And, and, um, so we, you know, we've been posting jobs and we have this really cool, uh, tool that we've been using called Odro. Uh, it's a video kind of a, a video, uh, interview platform. And, you know, so they'll apply if, if generally it looks good. I mean, and, and, and when I say generally, it's like generally, like, like there just has to be no major typos. Uh, you know, they, ha it has to show that there's some sense for, 
for sales. Uh, they don't have to have sales experience, but some general sense of sales. Um, and then we'll send out this, this Odro video interview and, you know, it gives them a, a chance to answer three or four questions. It's four minutes max. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, we've been seeing a lot of success finding the people, you know, that's a cumbersome process, right? I mean, to apply to a job is easy, but then to do a video interview for somebody that you've never met, like it's, it's not lost on me that that's cumbersome and a lot to ask. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure whether I'd sign up for that. I might just say, look, I'm happy to have a conversation with a live person over the phone or a Zoom call. But if you want to send me a one-way interview, yeah. then I'm not sure that that's really my yeah. cup of tea. Yeah. And I mean, look, it's not it's not for, you know, your five-year-plus person in the industry, right? I mean, there's a it's a different dynamic. And so when you're looking at people with with no industry experience, um, ultimately, I'm not really interested in the people that I'm not really interested in, in the totality of the content of what they say on the one sided interview. I'm really interested in the people that did it, you know, and how fast did they do it? Because um, that's, that's that effort piece is, is, you know, how long did it take them to reply uh, after I replied to their application? How long did it take them to, you know, acknowledge the link? Uh, how long did it take them to, to complete it? And that's really what I'm looking at is what is their their effort uh, in, you know, in this stage of the process? Um, and, you know, it's worked out. It's worked out quite well. Yeah, indeed. Let's talk about metrics just for a minute. You did touch on them earlier and, you know, We've all worked at companies where metrics are extremely important, especially if you've worked at larger companies where KPIs are usually set for a, a number of different activities. Um, but, you know, that's not necessarily always a good thing. How do you measure and manage your people using metrics and KPIs? Well, I think this is going to be atypical uh, in in terms of my answer. But um, I measure their productivity in um in their production so you know if they're they set their own goals right a goal is only as good as who sets it so if i'm telling them you know how much how much do they want to make how you know how many placements do they want to make it, it it's pointless so they set their own production goals and then um that's ultimately the the bar that i look at now, um, I don't day to day, week to week, month to month. I don't look at how many people they talk to. I don't look at how many job orders they brought in. I don't look at any of that stuff. We, we use a system called cube 19, which tracks it all and it gives them access to it. And the people that are highly successful track their own numbers, um, and the people that are struggling, we get in and we look at their numbers um, but, but, but one of our core values is this concept of freedom and responsibility. And, and, you know, um, I asked them to, to, you know, deliver on what they say they're going to deliver on. And, um, if they're struggling and they want to know how to fix it, then, you know, we'll look at their ratios. We'll see where their, you know, where their massive fall off is, um, 
or if they're doing really well and they want to, you know, they're, they're billing, you know, three, 400,000, they want to get to, you know, a million. Um, what is it going to take to get there? And so we'll look at the numbers. So we have them, we look at them. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day. But you don't sort of dangle them on a weekly basis and use them as a threat. Oh, no, God. You know what's funny? This is how great my team is. Uh, last year, we had a, uh, I don't know, maybe a 30, 45 day slump where people were struggling. And, you know, the the obvious place uh, to go is to go to the numbers and see why are we struggling? So so I went there and uh, and and I saw that just generally volume um from an activity standpoint wasn't there not like our minimums what we were what we were doing sorry our averages what we were doing wasn't there and so i said okay you know and i started to manage a little bit through the numbers and the kpis and i can't tell you it it was probably like a week before somebody came to me and you know another one of our big um uh, one of our big uh, mantras or or values is is feedback and I'm always asking people to give me feedback. I give people feedback. You, you, you almost have to do it in, in real time. And so somebody, it took, it took them about a week, but they, and they came to me and they said, Sam, you know, one of the reasons I love working here is we don't, we don't do this. You don't, you know, hammer us on the numbers day in and day out. And you've been doing it. And, you know, I think it's bringing people down. And I was so proud that, that they brought it to me um, because I was, and, you know, I acknowledged it on our next team call. I said, you know what? You're right. Uh, I'll, I'm going to back off on this stuff. Um, that's not that's not our style. And, uh, you know, and what is our style is that, you know, you guys have that freedom and responsibility and I need the responsibility piece. And, uh, you know, it's it to no surprise the next week, two weeks. I mean, we had one of our biggest months immediately after we had that convo. Um, I think it's the right way to treat people these days because especially if you've been in the business for a couple of years or more, you do understand the relationship between activity and results. And so you shouldn't yeah. need, as a leader, if you find yourself going to people saying, look, you're just not doing enough, you need to do more. And we talk about this on the podcast all the time. Um, you've either got the wrong person in place or you just, you just haven't taught them well enough. And you've got to look in the mirror and right. say, well, what do I need to do better in order to help somebody understand what needs to be done here? Um, look, I think metrics are useful for newbies to understand, you know, the cadence sure. of the activities, et cetera. But, but like you say, not to crush people with those metrics and crush the spirit out of them because it's much more fun working with people on the quality of the work that they're doing than it ever is on the quantity of the work that they're doing. And if you can teach them the quality and to do the, the job extremely well, you know, execute as, as well as they possibly can and become the best version of themselves, then, you know, cadence will eventually take care of itself if they're motivated, right? Absolutely. Good stuff, mate. Well, listen, it's um, been fun having a chat with you today. Um, final question I would have for you, Sam, is what's keeping you up at nights at the moment in this market? It's very candidate driven. It's slightly easier maybe to get good business or it's definitely easier to get business. Uh, but you've got to qualify that business, which you touched on earlier. But what's keeping you up at nights at the moment in this market? Uh, what's keeping me up at night? Um, growth. 
Growth is keeping me up at night. We're we're at an inflection point that uh, that we're ready to go to the next step. I think I think we've been playing in the big leagues uh, and we've been wearing little league uniforms and um, you've been hustling. You know, we're we've been hustling exactly and. You know, look, I'm proud of of our revenue. We we're you know just under double digit, um, and you know we've hustled, we've grinded, and um, you know we're at this inflection point that 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 we get to grow up, and so that's been keeping me up. I've got a handful of really key hires that I'm going to make in the next three months, um, and you know with that comes this dynamic of of culture and how do we maintain this and how do we you know we keep it and and so I struggle with that I lay in bed <laughs> I, I don't I don't I mean I'm a pretty deep sleeper I don't think my wife would would agree that anything keeps me up but um but oftentimes I'm laying there and I'm thinking how do we how do we grow up but stay you know the scrappy kid yeah that's a tough point to be at um, and I think it sounds like you've got the culture in place to be able to to grow and expand. Hopefully, you've got the systems and processes in place so that you can scale um, without toppling over. And then, you know, ultimately, you're going to need to bring on some key players, as you said, to help you with that scaling. The good thing is there's a great community of people out there. And that's a conversation we could have at another time. There's some fantastic people who've done this before. And I would always advise people go out there and, you know, seek some advice and some objectivity from other people, including myself. And, um, you know, you'll get it done. And since I've known you, Sam, you've always been, you know, incredibly successful, like number one or number two in the firm. And it's no surprise to me at all that you're crushing it with CRB. So it's great to get back in touch with you and have this conversation. Thanks a lot for coming on the podcast today. And uh, we'll speak again soon, mate. Thanks. Thanks, Marcus. It's been a pleasure. Uh, working with you, knowing you, you've, you've always been great with advice and steering, steering me and many others in the right direction. I appreciate it. Much appreciated. Cheers, mate. I'll speak to you soon. 